0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today's question How can Christianity be the only true religion? It's a good question. It's one that can be asked not only by Christians in the church, but is often asked by many people around the world. So since it's a question that is actually one that's pretty much asked by anyone, regardless of whether you're in the Christian faith or outside of it, it's probably a good idea that we who are inside of it have a good answer to this question. How can you as a Christian say that Christianity is the only true religion? So let's dig into this a little bit. Let's think about what other religious traditions and and backgrounds have to say. Whether it be the, the, the Muslim tradition, the Jewish tradition, the Buddhist, the Hindu, the Mormon, the deist, the secular humanist, or any other ism that you can pretty much think about. Maybe even atheism, if you want to include that in a, in a category that we could call a, a group of religious uh, ideals. We, we realize as Christians, of all of these religions, if we were to bundle them all into a group, we just do not fit. We do not play nicely. Not in terms of cultural differences, perhaps, because we are called to allow cultural differences to wash off our back for the sake of showing our love for our neighbor. Not because of the kinds of practices or traditions that we have, even though they're often very different. We see different practices, different ways of doing Christianity being uh, biblically, faithfully done all across the whole world. Maybe not at this exact hour, but on this exact day, there are people in Asia worshiping Christ in an Asian way. There are people in Africa worshiping people in a distinctly African way. There are people in Eastern Europe worshiping in a distinctly European way, and we here are doing so in a very American kind of a way. But it's all worship of the same person. So we ask this question, then what is it exactly that makes Christianity not play so very nice with others? If we are to regard all of the faith traditions together You might call this an exercise in religious pluralism. Religious pluralism is an exercise that humans and thinkers and debaters might engage in where they consider all religions together to see what it is they have in common, what it is that they hold together and how the differences between them can be overlooked for the sake of what makes them the same. Many people try to do this with Christianity. They boil our faith tradition down to love of neighbor, which isn't a bad doctrine in the Christian faith to highlight. But many other religious traditions teach, I put this in air quotes, love of neighbor, because they do exercise this altruistic, kind of moralistic, I don't know, command to treat others with love and respect but we would say as christians the underlying reason behind the love for our neighbor is different we do love our neighbor but we don't do so to show the benevolence within ourselves instead we do so to show the master that we serve and the love that he has for his creation found in the person that we're showing our love to That makes Christianity unique, distinct. So that's one area. Otherwise, they might say, well, what about moralism? What about a structure of of kind of moral tenets where where people treat others with respect? People uh, find ways to express themselves in moral or upright ways. The world would be a much better place if all these religions would just live out the moral structure that they have set for themselves without worrying about all of the things that separate them, After all, isn't that what religion is really all about? To make people act well in this world? Well, if you're a, ten- a follower of the tenets of religious pluralism, that's probably what you believe. But I'm less a follower of religious pluralism, and I hope you are, as are, are not a follower of it as well. I'm more of what you might call a Christian exclusivist. I believe that Christianity alone offers a unique message which doesn't just sugarcoat morality. It doesn't just give you medicine for what ails humanity in its interactions with each other. It doesn't just show us how to love and treat our neighbor kindly and with respect. It does something entirely different. The claims of the Christian worldview, the true biblical Christian worldview, are by their very nature exclusive. They do not play nicely with other faith traditions because they claim one name under heaven by which all men must be saved. They claim one way, one truth, and one life. Those are not flexible words. Those are not words which give a whole lot of ground for manipulation and massaging. They're pretty hard, pretty immovable words. One way. One name. And that's the Christian worldview. That's the belief that each of us profess when we come together in his house And we say the Nicene Creed. We can't abide this idea of religious pluralism. We can't abide this idea of many paths leading to heaven, to God, whatever it might be, because we're not given that option. Our Savior does not give us the choice to follow multiple paths to salvation. Our Savior does not grant us many names that we might call upon to appeal to God's favorable heart. Our Savior gives us one path, one way, one name. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says this, Peter is standing with other disciples before a group of the sort of adjudicating officials of the church in his time men who want to silence the disciples for their proclamation of Christ and his resurrection. As they're standing before, the, as Peter and the disciples are standing before these, these judges, the conversation comes to this. Peter stands and says that salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. There is one name given to men by which we must be saved. If our goal in this life is to find salvation from our sin, to be set free from the, the chains of Satan, the tormentor, if our goal is to deliver the nations from bondage and sin, Satan, and death, there's only one name that does that. There's only one man who's accomplished that for us. Only one thing, one person, one name that has been given by Almighty God, our Creator, by which we must be saved. And of course, that name is Jesus. We call ourselves Christians because we are followers of Christ. We are not followers simply of the way that He taught. We are that. But we are followers of him because if we lose his leadership, if we lose the path which he's leading us on, we are lost in the darkness. We need to follow Jesus because he is the light and he's the only thing which can lead us through the darkness to the Father. He's the only one who can keep us on that straight and narrow path, the one and only path which leads To eternal salvation and eternal life with him and so i'm a a a proponent of christian exclusivity and that is not a popular phrase i would probably not introduce yourself as a person who espouses the doctrine of christian christian exclusivity but we are not given an option and so when we ask that question Again, and we enter into this realm of of dialogue and discussion, and someone says, how can Christianity be the only true religion? We say, I don't know, but what I do know is that the Lord that I serve, the one who saved me from eternal death, he told me over and over again that there is no other way than him. There is no other path, there is no other truth, there is no other life than Him. He is the one and only for us. There are many who walk in this life thinking that they can manipulate and mold God's heart by showcasing their morality, showcasing their love, for others, showcasing their their service to humanity or their care for for the, the resources and, and the environment of this earth. There are many who think they can buy their way into heaven through success, through wealth, through money. There are many who follow a lot of different paths to try to get to something of worth beyond this life. And unfortunately, they're going to be sorely. Disappointed. I'm reminded of a a story that I heard of a a young man who was uh, probably about 16 or 17 years old, and he was uh, a very, he's one of those kids who couldn't sit still in any of his classes. He was constantly climbing on things. His favorite time of the day was recess or gym class where he could bounce on things and move around. And he saw this newspaper clipping on on a desk and it was it had been torn because someone had torn a coupon out on the back page but on it he saw a a, a job description someone was a, they were looking for applicants to fill in this job and he read this term he said swing back and forth and he saw another line that said keep a lot of balls in the air he saw another thing that said, walk a thin line. And he thought to himself, this is for a circus acrobat. I know what this is. This is a, a job description for a circus acrobat. And at the bottom, it said the interview was 10 days from the date that he read that. And it had the address. And so he spent those next 10 days practicing his juggling skills. And he went and devised this this tightrope made out of twine and, and other kinds of cord and cable from his backyard between two volleyball nets, uh, supports. And he um, also devised this, this sort of makeshift trapeze that he hung from the rafters of his barn and practiced that for 10 straight days and got really good at that. At least in his mind, he got really good at that. And when he showed up, on the day of the job interview he brought all of these implements with him the job interview was in this gymnasium of a school and so he thought hey this is pretty cool and he set up all of his implements before any of the interviewers got there so that he could perform all of his amazing task of keeping things up in the air and walking a thin line and swinging back and forth well turns out when the interviewers showed up they were wearing suits and ties they had leather briefcases. They sat down and they were expecting to interview a general manager of a paper supply store. They were looking for someone who could swing back and forth between projects. They were looking for someone who could keep a lot of balls in the air, meaning could juggle a lot of different activities. And they were looking for someone who could walk a thin line between productivity and morale amongst the people in their industry. And when they came and saw this young man walking on a tightrope, swinging on the trapeze and juggling balls, they realized something had gone horribly wrong. But they were so entertained by this young man that one of the men whose brother happened to be in the circus business communicated with one of his with, with his brother and communicated that such that he was able to join on with one of the traveling circuses and it all worked out. You can see though that this man had the wrong impression, the wrong idea from the very beginning. I introduce this anecdote as you, as you will so that you can understand that for many who are walking among us today, they are walking a path in the exact wrong direction and they don't even know it. They're headed for ridicule, embarrassment. They're headed for eternal torment on the last day. Because they have not understood what the game was from the very beginning. They have not heard this truth proclaimed that Jesus, the Savior of mankind, has said, there is only one way. There is only one way truth. There is only one life. There is only one name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. They have not heard, and so their their life has become a cosmic comedy of errors. They seek after every way to justify themselves. They seek after every path to receive some form of enlightenment, some form of spiritual well-being, peace, life, and they're looking in all the wrong places. That's a shame. But the shame is not placed so much on their shoulders as it is on the shoulders of Christians like you and me. Because our Savior Jesus has told us, if somebody in your midst does not know this truth, that there is one way, one truth, and one life, the responsibility is on your shoulders. Because he has called you to proclaim this truth to everyone that you know. And so we see the urgency at play. As each day passes by, as each hour passes by, we see people heading in the wrong direction. We have the opportunity to help them see this, this folly that they're on, this false path that they're following. And we have an opportunity to introduce them to the Savior who is the one way, the one truth, and the one life the one name under heaven by which they must be saved. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks to you this day for guiding us to this truth, that there is one way, one truth, and one life that you have given to us by your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us to cling to this one man, Jesus Christ, and trust in him with all of our hearts Trust Him with the well-being of our lives and with the fate of our eternal self. We pray, Heavenly Father, that You will help us to share this truth with others, that they too might follow this one path to salvation. We pray this all in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen.